VGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 689, recorded on July 10th, 2023. edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 522nd episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am DJ Denzer. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry. Cool. So, um, we are going to talk about what we've been playing. Um, I'll start first. I've been playing a lot of Midnight Suns, which is not a new game. It's an, actually an older game, but I've been hooked. I've been playing through it. It's and so good, isn't it? Like, it's it's ridiculously good for a Mar- Marvel game. Here's the thing. It's for Axis. They know what they're doing. See, it doesn't matter what the property is, as long as you have the right developer. I mean, right. you... Daedalic tried to make a Lord of the Rings game. They failed. And now they don't exist anymore. That's one Daedalic? of the news... Yeah, Daedalic was shuttered uh, just the other day. It's not in the news items, but it is something that happened. Holy shit, hold on. And uh, Monolith made a Lord of the Rings games, and it made one of the best games ever made, which is Shadow of War. Oh, they're going through a restructuring. That's not good. Yeah, they, <laughs> they were, they're going to stop making games, and I think just, I don't know what it was they're going to do. They were just stop they, making They shuttered its development division. Yeah. <sighs> that sucks. Daedalic has been, like, around. around I, they, not, they haven't made the best games, though. See, that's the thing. Daedalic is always making all these mediocre games, and it's just this one just happened to catch... just got memed in the wrong way. You know? That's a bummer. I haven't and, hated their games. Like, there are some Daedalic games. There's some that good, I, they're I really, really good, yeah. Uh, didn't they do the, um... Uh, the Left 4 Dead Warhammer game? Vermintide? Uh, they did not. That's Fat Shark. Oh, right, right. They, uh... <clears throat> They mostly focused on point-and-click adventures up until uh, the Gollum game. Um, I really oh, liked, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Deponia games. <laughs> they did the Deponia games, but they also did uh, Ken Follett's The Pillars of the Earth, which I enjoyed that one. They also did Long Journey Home. Yeah, so that's a that's a bummer. That's a big bummer. Yeah. I think they did the Blackguards game. Uh Two of them, and uh, that was a uh, turn-based uh, strategy game. Basically, uh, it's like playing a tactics version of a Larian RPG. It's part of the Dark Ice series. Anyways, um, but yeah, I think they're a German developer. I'm not sure. Yeah, they were German. Yeah, so. Yeah, in Hamburg. So, yeah, so, yeah. Here's the thing. If someone contracted Daedalic to do the, uh, the Gollum game, they should have, you know, they can't say no. And the, pro- what the problem is that you really can't make a good story with Gollum. You can't, unless it's an adventure game, a straight-up adventure game. Then you might be able to. I would argue that the story and the premise aren't what hurt the Gollum game so badly. Not if you say it might have been rushed a little bit, but um, even if even if it didn't have you know crashing, if even if it didn't crash, it was still not a good concept. They wanted to make an open-world game, an open-world action RPG with Gollum. And that's not who Gollum is. Gollum's story is he had the ring. He's looking for the ring. He got tortured by the Dark Lord looking for the ring. He went after Baggins, and then he fell in with his ring. By the way, one of the funniest, cleverest achievements is if you die in a lava, the achievement you get is, no, not yet. (laughs) That is pretty funny. Yeah, but like the the cl- it was clunky movement and all the technical <sighs> hiccups that really held it down. Like, yeah, no, I don't think so. I yeah. think it was just no, it was just the gameplay. It was just the gameplay conceptualized for it. They want they it was clear they wanted to do Middle Earth Shadow of War. If you're nah, this was this was always going to be more like Thief than it was. No, it wasn't. No, but they made it like Shadow of War. Trust me, I played it. You haven't. By the way, the Gollum in, in, in the first uh, Shadow of Mordor looks a lot better than the Gollum did in this game. And, although I think they were going for a more cartoony look anyway. So, 
regardless, um, Midnight Suns, I'm enjoying it. Even though uh, the first five hours of dialogue just is unbelievably bad. It is just bad. It is like... I think they said, well, we got to put some some Disney Marvel humor in here for the first five hours, so that whoever's whoever whoever's looking at this game and they play the first, they're gonna like play five minutes. And say, okay, you have the same humor as a Marvel movie, and then uh, about the time that Steve Rogers arrives, they've dropped that style, and the only person who's doing it is uh, Tony Stark because he's an asshole. After 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 Captain America arrives, it's like the, the writing completely changes. It completely changes tone. So you know that they had that annoying dialogue in the first five hours just so that some executives could say, okay, we're pleased by your humor. Go do whatever, do, go do whatever you want. I didn't feel like any of the characters were shoehorned except for Wolverine. Oh, you know, that's Wolverine publicity. So, Wolverine Marvel game, yeah. Kind of, well, he shows up really, really late. Well, so does and Wanda. Yvar, and Yvar, well, but Wanda is like an integral part of the core story from the very beginning. I never thought that she was going to be a part of the story at all. I never thought she was going to be a teammate. Hmm. I mean, well. <laughs> but anyway, but like as far as Wolverine goes, he just kind of like comes out, of, comes out of nowhere. Well, no, I mean, I guess, I, it's because it's because of Fallen Sabretooth that he arrives. Sure. But he's also, like, really late to where, like, you've already established bonds with a bunch of the others at so this you, point. You, sort of bond you, with, have, with, uh, you have to start bonds with Wanda late in the game. But you have, like, that connection to yeah. her through a lot, like... You know what? Caretaker and uh, Agatha were her mentors, so, like, you yeah. have that connective tissue throughout a lot of the story. You know Wolverine what? Though? just kind of shows up, and you kind of got to rush your relationship with him in a hurry to get to his good stuff. You know what's really interesting? Playing, I kept on imagining what Superman would have thought. He would slot into the game so well. <laughs> he would. Yeah. It's too bad it there's... Uh, it gets really, really good when you finally max out their bonds and start unlocking oh, yeah. their ultimate abilities. Yeah, I already got... Um, I think my crutch character is Mar- is uh, is Marvel is Captain Marvel because uh, I maxed out hers fairly quickly. She's so good. Yeah, I like her abilities. She uh, her uh, for one thing, she she can summon blocks. She can she can taunt and she can retaliate. And then she has her photon beam, which is a basically one big I win button. Mm-hmm. And always when you do a combo with her, it's usually going to take out the strongest people. But I, I learned quickly in the game not to overfocus on any one character because that'll that that'll be a mistake. Yeah, and they all have fun abilities to explore. Like I, I like all their specialties and how they play to the character. Um, I think here's the thing. I like Blade, and I use them a lot, but I'm using them less because I think Spider-Man actually does more what I want because Spider-Man has Thwip, and uh, that's basically. You can you can you can aim it at the toughest character and it'll still bind them for the rest of the round. He's also insanely good with environmental damage. Yeah, he's also good with his. You see, here's the thing. Um, I like Captain America and I like Spider Man and I like Wolverine because they can all do uh, multi attacks. You know, mm-hmm. Spider Man has the caveat that you have to uh, knock him out in order to get to the next person. Uh, Wolverine has the ability he can he can. He has a ch- he can has a chain of four, but with him you could actually have him just chain one person with all four attacks. Mm-hmm. So that's that's his thing. I still prefer Spider Man because of Thwip because um, being able to prevent the most powerful character uh, enemy from doing anything for a round is really huge. Yeah, especially if you know you're, you're going to be facing one of the fallen. I was using uh, I was using magic a lot. Her ability to create portals and send enemies wherever she wants is really fun. Oh, guess what? I'm a light-sided character all the way in the light, and I'm still able to completely befriend magic. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, she she's like the uh, she's like the Morrigan from uh, from Dragon Age option where you kind of got to be an ass to get on her good side. But, but the, the funny thing is that Morgan 
well, in the first game at least, because uh, she 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 softens considerably the next two game in the next in the third game, but Morgan is just you know she's not like Jack Subject Zero right and Subject Zero is a murderer because that's how she was she was she was uh, programmed to be right and um, that's basically what happened to Magic I mean Magic was under the thrall of Mephisto. Mm-hmm. And there, and, and now she's trying to get away from that. Just like if a light sided, you know, a paragon sided Jack is trying to get away from, from that kind of mind control, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of brainwashing. Morgan's not quite brainwashed. <laughs> He's just a, she's just a, uh, a, a, a Darwinist. Mm-hmm. She, uh, um, magic is not a Darwinist. She's just. I'm I, the only person I can count on is me because I'm the only person I can trust. Yeah. And like, it's, it's really fun to open up each of the characters and, and like get to a deeper part of each of them. I even enjoyed like, so much you want about Tony Stark. I enjoyed going, going deep with him and see, and like getting deeper into like what he considers a friend and why. Here's the thing. Like I said, the first part of the game, everybody's acting like uh, Josh. Uh, jo- they were written by Josh Whedon. That ends after Captain America arrives. Then it's only Tony Stark, but with him, it's a defense mechanism. And Doctor Strange is just an asshole. He's just an arrogant asshole. Yeah. You know, there's a reason for why he acts the way he does. But it's, it's like the first part. The first part of the game, it's like everybody it sounds like everybody's auditioning for a sitcom. Like they want to be part of Wandavision or something. I can see that. Anyways, we're we're talking way too much about Mid, uh, Midnight Suns. If you yeah. enjoy, now here's the thing though. Um, a lot of people say it's like XCOM. I don't think it's like XCOM at all. The combat is not XCOM. There's a lot. Uh, the thing about it is that there's a lot of facets to it which are a lot like XCOM. In which um, once you get used to the uh, to the mechanics like how to send people off so that uh, on these little missions so that they can level up and they can like you better. Or, uh, you know, making their new abilities or creating, you know, actually just using blueprints and all that stuff. So it's like XCOM in that, but everything else is not like XCOM. The only other thing that I would say is like XCOM is when you try to uh, shove somebody off of a ledge. ledge oh, yeah, I love that. It's chance. There's a, yeah, there, I, I love that. Get, I think it get like on an eighty-seven percent chance to send somebody over a ledge. I think it gives that thirteen percent a little too much. Credit. Really? Because here's the thing: um, I several some, shove someone over a ledge with like twenty-three percent, and they just fall right out. I never had that kind of. Look. I've had that thing. No, here's the thing: I think it's because when you have the three, uh, three women who are trying to summon things, one of them is protected, two of them are not protected. I think it actually gives you that first one to knock into a ledge, into a hole, into that hole. I think it actually gives you that. And I've had one 74% and they went in. So it's not like – I don't think it's the 98% chance of firing a shotgun into a into a berserker and it somehow misses. It's not that egregious. Anyways, Scott, what have you been playing? <laughs> well, I actually finished up uh, Tears of the Kingdom yesterday. Right, so I'm going to be playing something else. I, I just played a little bit of uh, Divinity – Original Sin 2. Holy cow, you know, I just realized, we've stopped talking about 100 Heroes. I guess all these games are coming out. It's like, oh yeah, 100 Heroes is coming out this year at some point. Supposed to, yeah, we don't have a release date, and we've just been waiting for them to announce it. We think they might at uh, one of these game shows coming up, maybe Gamescom or Tokyo Game Show, and hopefully they'll give us a release date, whether it's uh, this year or next year. Here's the thing. Starfield is such a behemoth that they we I think we talked about this last week maybe they uh, pushed the release date of uh, of Baldur's Gate three on PC up and they moved yeah. the PlayStation five version of Baldur's Gate to September sixth the same date that that uh, Starfield has wide release in I'm wondering if Hundred Heroes has been told to clear out I have no wait idea. until wait until like October or something like that. They, they might. Uh, I mean, Five of Five is is uh, their publisher, so they might decide that. For all I know, I would say just release it on the same day as Starfield because it's like counter programming. 
Because I think a lot of people who are not into Starfield might want to play 100 Heroes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think there's um, people that want Starfield are already going to get Starfield, and people that want Iudian are already going to you know, go and get that. I want both. <laughs> and they're both going to be on Game Pass. Pass <laughs> good. Um, sea of Stars is coming out August, so that's also looking forward to that, too. Yeah. It seems like Starfield is... Is is like already at Halo level because remember Halo Two, how it, when it was released it was an event, and Halo Three as well. I think Starfield has reached that. I think it's, but it's unusual because it's not a game that's it's not a sequel to anything. Well, it's a quote unquote sequel to Fallout and Skyrim. I mean, you know, it's it's trading on them, but it's still a new IP. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have a nice sci-fi story with Starfield, and you you have your action, but you also have a lot of RPG character stories going on. So, yeah, and also, of course, making your own ship, and yeah, there's a lot to look forward to with Starfield. But um, I think CSRs is going to be a really big hit when that comes out as well. For some reason, I'm also thinking about Unavowed, and I'm hoping it comes out this year. I don't know if well, did they say it was going to come out 2023 or 2024? Unavowed, I think, is might be next year. Let me look. I have to look that up. TJ, I, we know you've been playing Dragon Alliance three, and you can't talk about it. So, have you been playing anything else? Uh, Evo is at the end of this month, so I've been pretty oh. much. Uh, I I had to stop playing Street Fighter Six because I'm not competing in Street Fighter Six at Evo. Um, but I, uh, but I am competing in Guilty Gear, Mortal Kombat 11, and King of Fighters, uh, 15. So I've been, uh, That's hardcore training on, <laughs> training up and making sure I have all my, my, uh, my techniques down leading up to the tournament. Anyways, um, oh, anything else? Just, just those fighting that, games. <laughs> well, and, and between that, I've also been playing, I've still been playing Final Fantasy 16. Okay. I, uh, Isn't that I an really Evo too? Like, it's a final game. It's a, fi- a fighting game now. I really like how much your moveset expands every time you get through a chapter in that game. Like, I understand people that are like, you well, put on the easy mode items and you just press one button to win. But like, I also question why the hell you would do that because there's because a you want the story moves. for what what it's worth. There's so many fucking fun moves in that game. Why would you just press one button over and over? Because again? people want to like, play the story. Also, accessibility. Yeah, but like, there's so many good moves in that game. There's so many cool moves. They added. They had to make it more like a turn-based game for some people. They had to. They actually had to change the game because there were a lot of people who love Final Fantasy, but they can't play action games. They only. They, there's a reason why they play turn-based games, and one of them is that they're disabled. Okay, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, like, the people that complain that you can just win all the time by pressing one button. Well, that's on them. I mean, it's a single-player game. Who cares? It's silly to me, because, like, why would you just press attack all the time when you have things like, straight up like a Phoenix Fire bomb that you can set off and heal yourself and do all sorts of crazy damage, or summon a tornado on top of your enemies, or just... There's so many cool ways to combo in that game, and I love how much it challenges me to be creative when I really want to make it flashy. In a single-player game, a god mode is uh, God's way of evening the odds. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm really having fun with it. It, That's fine. Here's the thing: some people, you know what? I could be I could be Mass Effect on on Insanity if I want to, but I play on story mode because I'm just enjoying the story and watching my my choices. I already beat the game before. Here's a question: You could definitely beat Mass Effect by just using the starting pistol throughout the entire game, but why? I do. Would you? I do because oh well. Here's the thing: For one thing, when you have the Spectre pistol, it's an I win button. Sure, I'm talking about like the starting pistol, and then you just take that through the entire game without using any other thing. Why would you do that? Well, let me ask you a question. Why do people try to beat Mega Man with only one kill? For the a challenge. challenge. But then they don't complain that the other weapons are useless. Then why, here's the thing. Anybody complains? Uh, you know what I say is, fuck you. It's a single player game. Uh, the computer's not going to complain, is it? I suppose. It's just boring. 
Yeah, boring. well, some one person's boring is another person's thrilling. I also been playing Railway Empire too, and a lot of people say, "Oh, it's boring. All you're doing is playing with trains." Say, "Fuck yeah, I'm playing with trains. Damn it! <laughs> I'm trying. Don't you see the the network I'm trying to create here? I have the I." I I, I box myself into a corner because I put these train tracks here, and if I try and branch out for them, it's going to cause a lot of delays. I have to figure a way out through this thing. These people want their beer, damn it. I'm not kidding. There are seeds that just export beer. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to move on to quick news. Um, <laughs> Apple and Epic are headed to the Supreme Court. Epic, uh, Apple wants Epic's corporate victory over payment processing overturned, and it's going to the top to make it happen. Oh my God, I, I'm I'm sorry I brought this up because I, I just can't stand these two companies anymore. Which is worse, Apple is evil, and Epic is just an asshole. So you have evil versus assholes. These two companies do not like each other. <laughs> but I want to tell Apple, hey, hey, Apple, Epic knows how to make games. Well, and the whole thing that Apple is trying to fight is they just don't want people to be able to use uh, third-party payment apps to supersede yeah. their thirty uh, percent cut. And yep, they that that's bullshit on their part because like Apple is the literally the most highly valued company in the world. Apple is going to lose. And they are not missing out on money. They are going. Apple is going to lose. They already lost in Europe, because thank God Europe said "fuck you" with these proprietary things. Everybody's using USB-C now. Shut up and do it. <laughs> USB-C only now. That's it. No more of your lightning friggin' uh, power things. Oh no! By the way, stop making your uh, your 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 phones break down because they get too old. We know your plot planned obsolescence. Got to cut that out. Yeah, and like Epic lost the like big time with this, but like the whole third, the whole side loading and and uh, third party payment option thing, like that was the one thing they got. Out. That was one of the. the I think that's the one out. thing they really wanted. <laughs> yeah, and because here's the thing, um, do you know why you? EA doesn't release anything on Steam until they have their their collector their you know their game of the year packs and all that stuff with all the DLC included because if they just did Mass Effect or Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 3 and sold the DLC separately Valve would take a, pr- a chunk out of that DLC so that's why they wait until they have look it's Mass Effect 3 with all the DLC included well that's because they don't want Valve to make a penny off that DLC yeah. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Supreme Court decides on this because like that's gonna be the the ruling afterwards and it's probably not gonna change for a long time after. Yeah. Speaking of uh, monopo- uh, monopolies, I mean that's the monopoly right there. I mean you should be able to have any sort of payment you want on your own system. <sighs> I mean you could go the other way. Uh, we'll see. By the way, um, the FTC and Sony made fools of themselves and I can't see how. Unless there's some money under the bank to the judge that the injunction will will be permitted. We'll see. Anyways, uh, some lighter news. Nicolas Cage is now available in Dead by Daylight. Uh, Cage has new three new perks. Dramaturgy, in which they allow, allow their instance to take over with haste and random effects. Scene partner, so Cage can stare at the killers and get deeper in, Well, they can see the killer's aura. And plot twist, in which they can fake their death. So this time they don't. they have just Nicolas Cage as himself. And oh, by the way, let's all give an RIP to Friday the 13th, the game. Yeah, officially done. Um, this has been funny from the get-go. <laughs> Nicolas Cage playing Nicolas Cage in a uh, in Dead by Daylight is hilarious. And the way he spun it is he's playing a he's playing an, a version of himself that was like on his way to do something and then got caught by fucking the entity or whatever. It's it's really interesting to see how Nicolas Cage in his late career has kind of embraced the both the mystique and humor of himself. I wonder if Keanu Reeves is going to do the same thing. That would be great. <laughs> Keanu Reeves plays Keanu Reeves. 
doesn't play John Wick, doesn't play uh, Neo, doesn't play any, no, and he plays Keanu Reeves. Of course, if, you'll, you'll have to say, whoa. <laughs> Although I will say this, I will say this, if the uh, if uh, Bill and Ted were a part of Dead by Daylight, I'd be happy with that too. <laughs> I was gonna be, uh, I was gonna say that Agent Smith would actually make for a badass and scary killer in uh, Dead by Daylight. You imagine Bill and Ted in Dead by Daylight? Uh, that would be hilarious as well. Although I would hate to see them die. More, no, no, it's like it's There's no, no, it's, yeah. So they 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 die goofy deaths. Um, Ubisoft veteran Emil Morel has died of age 40. Uh, he was most recently served as creative director on the up-and-coming and long-awaited Beyond the Good and Evil 2. Uh, but he's probably best known as being the lead game designer for the best platforming game ever, Rayman Legends. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you think about Mario. No, Rayman Legends is better. It's a better 2D game. Stop. End of story. You, you can't have an argument there. Mario may be popular, but Rayman Legends was better. It's a pretty dang good game. Like, definitely in the top three of uh, of action platformers. But um, Beyond Time not- and Space should be named should be name the name new name of uh, Beyond Good and Evil. I don't know if that's ever going to come out. This really does suck. It's been amazingly ridiculous how hard of a development Beyond Good and Evil Two has been in longer development hell than Duke Nukem Forever at this point. I mean, Michelle Ancel is still there. We just don't know what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, my advice is just play the first Good Beyond Good and Evil. It's probably like but, five bucks on on Steam now. But heart goes out to that guy. He he did a he's, lot of. He's only age forty. For Ubisoft. He's only age forty. Very young. Yeah. Yeah. So, rest in peace. I I I would love for Beyond Good and Evil to come out someday, but like. That really sucks, and I wish the best to family and friends. You know, uh, what's a little disturbing is that um, they still have not revealed the cause of death for him. That's true. Yeah, I didn't. Re- I hadn't even thought about that. Which basically says to me that he died of a drug overdose, whatever that is. Because every every time they refuse to to say what the, if someone died of, it's it used to be AIDS. Now it's usually drugs. Mm, I don't want to speculate on the dead. The thing is that, you know, if you died of a drug overdose, you know, my, my cousin died a couple of months ago from opioids. So it's like, there's no there's no shame in it. It's just a tragedy. Yeah. It depends on who you're talking to. Some people take that much more seriously. Oh. Uh, Mortal Kombat 1 confirms Smoke and Rain is returning final, uh, playable fighters, plus Scorpion, Frost, and Morris cameos. Although I think you say Scorpion, Frost as future DLC. Yeah, um, Scorpion Scorpion is going to be playable in the game as well, like in the main roster. Um, Frost, Cyrax, and, Ske- and Sector have only been seen as cameos right now. Um, if you don't remember, Cyrax and Sector are the uh, the robot ninjas that uh, show- started showing up in, in Mortal Kombat three. All these color palettes of of, of Sub Zero, it's like. All Smoke these... is actually a badass character, though. Like he was awesome in Mortal Kombat Nine. I, 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 I'm actually shocked they haven't brought him back until now. And Rain is always interesting, but he's always usually DLC and like way down the line. So I've never actually gotten a chance to really play as him too much. I wish Another Realms would just buy the, uh, the buy the right the licensing rights to um to uh, oh god um uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Just so they could actually yeah. use the actual thunder, smoke, and rain. No, it would be pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Clockwork Revolution is the love child of Arcanum and Vampire the Masquerade. Uh, Chad Moore, project director on In Exile's Clockwork Revolution, says he's always described Clockwork Revolution as the love child of Arcanum and Vampire the Masquerade bloodlines. Um, Moore was a developer at Troika, which did Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura, The Temple of Elemental Evil, and Vampire the Masquerade bloodlines. Um, which is interesting because everybody just thinks uh, Clockwork Revolution is just Bioshock Infinite done by In Exile. But it's looking good. The fact that he says it's Love Child of Arcanum? Arcanum's a ter- uh, turn-based uh, RPG, which tells me mm. there's going to be some strong RPG elements in this too. 
Yeah, because Vampire the Masquerade has big RPG elements as well. Yeah, but uh, but Arcanum is a turn-based RPG, much like, say, uh, Baldur's Gate. I'm just saying that, like, we all read this as Bioshock, but it might be not that, no. based off what this guy, what he said about it. Scott, you played Arcanum, right? I mean, you had to have played Arcanum. After all the patches. Arcanum of Seamworks and Magic Obscura was notoriously buggy. Anyways. Yeah. It's, uh... Well, actually, so is Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very... <laughs> it's very interesting comparisons to be made, because, like, cause like you said, these were very different. Bioshock and these games are very different from each other. And, uh... And I th- and I think like it kind of flipped what my, what my expectation is for what Clockwork Revolution will be kind of on its head. Yeah. Well, let's let, here's the thing. It's in exile. We can give them the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I still love. I still haven't completed Wasteland Three. I plan to it in some day in the future. It's so dang good. Yeah. Um. Actually, Escapist Magazine had uh, one of the. Uh, they played a game in which uh, the main character was just had a cat army, and they tried to play it with a cat army. You know, you have that cat in the beginning, so they just had more of those cats. <laughs> uh, this is going to be up right up your alley, though. Skullgirl's second encore is finally getting coming to current-gen Xbox uh, consoles later this month. Ten years after it debuted, Skullgirl, Skullgirls will hit Xbox One and Xbox Series SX on the 19th of July, after it was indefinitely delayed coming to Microsoft's systems back in 2019 due to unforeseen development and production challenges. And recently they had to tone down the exploitativeness of the game. Which is strange to me. Yeah. Um, they were trying to make it a more all ages game and it pissed off a lot of people for some reason. I don't know why people, people want to see their anime titties. Yeah, it's. I mean, I remember how mad people got when they heard Cammy would have pants in street fighter six. <laughs> but it's just come on calm down yeah. <laughs> the game is not ruined because the character is less sexy still 10 years that's interesting uh, yeah hold on. And this is uh, second on car is what uh, just uh, a new new generation up um, remaster yeah so second encore is like uh, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 to Marvel vs. Capcom it's one might think it was a Skullgirls 2, but it's not. It kind of is, because, like, they added new characters, they yeah. added new uh, DLC, they added new moves to the entire cast and redid a bunch of the stages. It's not like... Maybe Marvel vs. Capcom 2 isn't a good comparison, but it would be like... Well, Guilty Gear Exerd had, like, Guilty Gear Exerd Revelator, and then they did Guilty Gear Exerd Revelator 2 which was not terribly different from Rev 1. It was just they added more characters, different animations, new stages, and continued the story. Uh, official wiki editor, Minecraft wiki editor, so furious at fandom's degraded functionality and pop-ups, they're overwhelmingly voting to leave the site, citing lack of transparency from fandom, loss of features, and toxic company culture. Last week we talked about them <laughs> uh, dealing with the leaving Reddit, now they're dealing wiki, well, fandom. It's, I always knew it as wiki, wiki, uh, but now it's just fandom. Um, I know what they're talking about because I, I do, I, I, I co-run the Vorkazigan fandom site. So it's, hmm. it's frustrating. But some of these sites, it's like, sometimes I go to a fandom site, it's like I'm assaulted by five pop-ups all at once. It's, it's like that's if, uh, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, I agree with you. That stuff is annoying. Like, I just want to. Look I can't even read the article. I just want to read the article. Damn it! All this shit is in my face. And if I if I click the X in the wrong way, I have to go to that friggin' thing. And then they 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 know that I visited. <laughs> it's a huge pain in the ass, and it's not getting any easier. Hey, here's the thing. Minecraft is a certain level of power now, in which they can say we don't need this bullshit. That's what they did with the Reddit. They pretty much saw what Reddit was doing, and the developers said, yeah, we don't feel like Reddit is moving in a direction where we feel like posting our updates here anymore. I hope Microsoft uh, gives Mojang, you know, a site of their own. 
that can that can do it that can do proper message boards. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing, a little hunt for everybody: message boards are not cheap. <laughs> they are extremely expensive because you have to deal with, uh, um, uh, you know, storage. You have to deal with everything else. You have to hire moderators. It's a pain in the butt. Yeah, for sure. I just, I, I think Minecraft players just need a safe space, you know, a safe forum space, which doesn't have all this crap advertising, doesn't have all this stuff, you know. I'm pretty sure there are Minecraft content creators who could, but no, they need an official site for Minecraft. You know that that is a message board and the way for mm. them to connect. It, it may be there. I haven't heard of it. Anyways, we're gonna move on to game news. First news item: Dragon Alliance 3 details how it'll support two-player online co-op. And this comes from some Eurogamer. Hainemont, God, Hainemont Games programmer and designer Vlad Abadivjan. Explained how the co-op system will be implemented in new dev diary posted ahead of the highly anticipated RPG's threequel release next week. Certain people are reviewing it. It's up to you to decide if you want to invite a partner into your main campaign or set up a new one with, for your co-op adventure. And you can save your progress at any time, regardless of whether someone's playing with you or not. You can also continue in the same game even if your buddy drops out. That said, adding co-op functionality has brought compromises elsewhere, according to Jean. Uh, for instance, players can only explore the same sector in tactical view. Splitting up to d- tackle Grashian separately might sound appealing, but the majority of missions take place in multiple sectors, and it can get disorienting, Diary explains. On top of that, there's an issue of how time advances. When one player is engaged in combat in a different sector, it would be tedious for one player to spend 40 minutes in the satellite view waiting for their partner to fish up a t- fight with Legion, considering the technical challenges as well. Having both players on the same sector made the most sense. In other words, when you go on a mission, you're there. You can't leave. You're both there. You can't. You know, it's you have to deal with it together. Hammond is touting a new open RPG structure for Dragon Alliance 3, along with a wide range of weaponry equipment to switch in and out of arsenals and special perk customizations. Uh, uh, TJ is playing uh, Dragon Alliance 3 and is under embargo, so he's kind of limited to what he can talk about. But do you think? Uh, What's it called? Co-op is gonna be. It should be good. I don't know if I'd play co-op with Jagged Alliance, but yeah, um, I can understand what they're talking about. Like based off of what I've, that's what I can say is that I understand uh, the limitations. Even so, like, man, I've been. I've been so thrilled to get in on this game since I first heard about it. And then, and it got, it it just kept getting better and better with them announcing things like the original creator coming back. Co-op is an interesting cherry on top because like, I don't know if I would have expected co-op in a Jagged Alliance game because it's such a, it's such a resource management sim in addition to being a tactical strategy. Right, where you have to manage your contract, like in the Jagged do you play as yourself in the game? Um, do you have a character that's you in the game? You play as a commander. Okay, so here's the thing: is that um, co-op, I would imagine, would have two commanders then, because the entire point of Jagged Alliance is that when you hire a mercenary, they have their own motivations, and you can only suggest what they do. If they want to do something else, they're going to do something else. You have uh, like point-and-click control. Um, but like, uh, they do, they do, uh, have personalities and they do interact and respond to each other. Like some might, one might grow to like one another or they might despise each other. (laughs) There there is like, there are characters that will not work together. And if you try to make them work together, they won't work with you. And in Dragon Alliance 2, sometimes they quit. They would just say, bye, I'm out of here. But like this is such a resource management thing where like you have you have to not only control the what your characters do on the map and how they defeat enemies, but you also have to control your money spend and your contracts and what areas you're going to and how those areas like with villages that you've uh, rescued, like training up militia for them. And uh, and like there's such. I wouldn't like it feels lazy to say XCOM elements to it, but like. That's this what came I way before familiar. XCOM actually. Uh, Dragon Alliance came out before XCOM did, so. Right, and that's what I'm saying is that I, it feels lazy to say that because I know Jagged Alliance came first, but that's the best frame of reference I have. 
Where J- Jagged Alliance was good, Jagged Alliance Two was better. Were you, but it's but you agree, right? Like where you manage yeah. so much more than just the soldiers. Oh themselves. yeah. Although I will say, when I get that sniper, oh geez, I forgot his name. It's not even not Ding, but it's something close. It's like he has a 99. Uh, what's it called? Sharp shooting. It's like. Thank God, because that game sometimes does have an XCOM thing in which you're so sure they're going to hit that 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 person. No, they missed. Sucks to be, oh, and now your guy died because they missed. And it's like, oh, wait, but weren't they almost clo- point blank? Yeah, so what? There's they so died. many fun things I want to say about that. <laughs> Guess what? The game comes out next week. You'll be able to speak as much as you want about it. Yeah. Uh, but I like the fact it sounds like they have drop-in, drop-out co-op in which, you know, you can have your campaign, someone wants to join it, and then someone can leave. Or you can make your own your own campaign, which is strictly just for co-op, so that you only play that campaign when your friend is with you. Mm-hmm. And we, don't forget, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to have co-op. Yep. There's a lot of co-op uh, strategy RPGs happening right now. Starfield will not have co-op. Some people are disappointed. I'm not. Although I can see where – here's the thing about why – I understand why people might want co-op in Starfield because it looks like it's going to be such a thrill just walking around. And you want to walk around with somebody, especially mm-hmm. when you know when you go into your bases and you look out the thing and you can do stuff in your base. You can do something. Like, you, those those ships make you want to say, I'm going to be the pilot. You're going to be the gunner. <laughs> yeah. But I, I understand why there's no there's no uh, 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 co-op because I'd rather they get the base game right first. Right. That's why there's only four romances, and I'm fine with that. This is not Mass Effect. You don't need a billion people to romance. Baldur's <laughs> Gate Three is going to have a ton of people to romance, by the way. And it changes based on your class and race and all that yeah. stuff. Well, I mean, the same thing happens in Mass Effect. I mean, if you're a woman, you can't date Jack, and if you're a man, you can't date Garrus. So. Oh, I mean, like, if you're a druid... Oh, I get it, I get it. ...to your vampire twink as a bear. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Take the next item, uh, TJ. All right. EA confirmed single-player Black Panther game from New Studio, from Eurogamer. Rumors of the first... Sorry. Rumors of the title first surfaced a year ago when journalist Jeff Grubb spoke about it to Giant Bomb. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped ahead. It's just, it's just, it's just it, the developers cliffhanger games. That's all you need to know. <laughs> I was just gonna start over on the whole thing. No, no, you can, you can go move on from there. Anyways, uh, as previously reported, Black Panther will be a single-player game. It's being developed by EA's new Seattle studio, which in turn is being led by former Monolith Productions boss Kevin Stevens. EA confirmed in its official announcement today. The game will be a third-person game, EA stated, and Cliffhanger Games said it aims to build an expansive and reactive world of Wakanda. Bot will explore the experience of taking on the mantle of Black Panther, EA said, which seemingly also confirms plot details outlined last year. This marks the second Black Panther game currently in development. Amy Hennig's Marvel project at Skydance New Media. New media has con- was confirmed to star Captain America and Black Panther in a battle against Hydra forces during World War II. Yeah, that game is going to suck. But let's talk about um, Cliffhanger Games. Uh, Kevin Stevens, he worked on every uh, Monolith game, like No One Lives Forever and all that, up and Tron 2.0, up through uh, Middle Earth Shadow of Mordor. He did not work on uh, Shadow of War. But Shadow of Mordor is still pretty good, and I have a feeling that. Um, yeah, this is going to be Shadow of Mordor in Wakanda, basically. How do you feel about that? I feel great about it, because here's the thing. Monolith knows what the fuck it's doing, <laughs> and so does Kevin Stevens. So unless EA starts saying it must be released by this date, but um, Black Panther 2 bombed so badly that I don't think they have their force. They're going to be forced to have to do a Black Panther, you know, coincide with a Black Panther 3. I think it's, you know, you can have the same kind of exploration, you can have the same kind of dialogue, you can have the same kind of, you know, missions. It's like an Ubisoft, they're like Ubisoft games except much, much, much better. Because Ubisofts are just icons on a map. Uh, the Shadow of War games, the Shadow games are more than just icons on a map. When you go to an icon, it actually means something. It's either a challenge or very easy collectible 
that actually lead to a payoff, a good payoff, not like chasing pages in an Assassin's Creed game. So, and the combat will be tight because Monolith took Batman Arkham's uh, combat and just made it so much more fluid and fun. And if you thought, and I know you might think, well, Batman Arkham's combat is fluid and fun. I would say, no. My, uh, the Shadow, the, the Middle Earth games by Monolith took them to a whole new level of fluid and fun. Yeah. And that guy has a good track record, too. Like, he leads, he leads a lot of good, he led a lot of good projects. So, yeah, uh, I don't know what's going to, want to bet it's going to be out in 2025. I think that's fair. Yeah. I think we'll probably see, uh, like, a full-on trailer revealed sometime during 2024 and then get a release. If it doesn't release in winter, it'll probably release in, I would do, I would suspect spring of 2025, right? Here's the thing about Monolith. They don't release buggy games. They don't. I don't remember the last buggy Monolith game. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Contract Jack. But that was a bullshit game that was sort of a spinoff. I don't even know if the studio really worked on that. Huh. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, opti- I'm cautiously optimistic about this, too. I'm optimistic because of Kevin Stevens and, and the Monolith uh, legacy. You know, no one... Yeah, no one knows who owns No One Lives Forever, by the way. And that is a game that desperately needs to be remastered. Yeah. I have less I am I'm less optimistic about EA having a hand in this. Uh, you know what? I think EA might be listening. Because <laughs> they've been scrapping they've been scrapping their um their live service games. And they've they've all of a sudden realized, hey, people like playing single player games. Yeah, I mean, like, to a degree. I, I still don't have any faith in them based on what they do with the, every single one of their sports titles. Let me put it this way. Uh, Cliffhanger Games is is going to make a good game. And um, EA has been pretty hands-off with the single player. Um, oh, gee, what was the name of that Monster Hunter-style game they had? That's actually what I was about to get to. Is uh, They did a... Uh, oh, it, it was Koei Tecmo that de- developed that game. It was Wild Hearts. Wild Hearts, right. And if they handle it like that, where EA just lets uh, lets uh, Kevin Kevin Stevens and Cliffhanger Games do their thing, then I have faith that this is going to be a good thing. Yeah, I think EA is just going to look at the budget and see if they're going over budget, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Wild Hearts was great. I still th- I still have it up there as like my favorite co op game to come out this year. <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> Maybe Jagged Alliance Three will. You have to get well. We'll play co-op and we can see how it works. Anyways, uh, Microsoft. Oh, actually, Scott, you there? Scott. Okay. Microsoft tells uh, tells court Sony expected to release PlayStation 5 Slim and handheld PS5 this year from Eurogamer. Uh, this is part of the entire court thing with the FTC and, and Microsoft. Blah blah blah. And basically, what's going on is that. Um, Sony is trying to say that Nintendo is not a is not a competitor because the Switch is cheaper, which is complete and utter bullshit. As part of this argument, Microsoft notes that the Xbox Series S is fifty dollars cheaper than the Switch OLED model, while the four hundred dollar PS5 digital edition being just fifty dollars more than the Switch. Here, the company makes reference to an unannounced Sony machine, claiming the latter is expected to release a PlayStation 5 Slim later this year at, a reduced, at the same reduced price point. And then they said there's going to be a handheld, which is interesting. Mm. So, uh, there's going to be a PlayStation 5 Slim. It's, it's, it's not even a question. They've always released a Slim halfway through the console cycle for everything. PS1 Slim, PS2 Slim, PS3 Slim, PS4 Slim. Of course it's going to be a PS5 Slim. But they're going to make a handheld version of the PS5? Yeah, I don't know. Like, Is it going to be it, like the Switch in which, you know, like it's just a controller, you know, like the um, like Valve's uh, Steam Deck, right? Maybe it's a PlayStation 5 deck? That's a good question because there have been a lot of folks packing a lot of high-end hardware into some handheld lately. And not every one of them has been good, but uh, like, would you? There are still there are still people out there that really value the Steam Deck. Let me ask you a question: Would you get a 
what would be essentially a Vita two. If that if that if if that handheld could like reasonably play games like Guilty Gear Strive without any problems, and then maybe be able to it, like stream for, the PS five, yeah. And then yeah, for a game like like more demanding such as I don't know, like Final Fantasy sixteen, if it could stream that game and do it well, then I see value in that. I mean, they just need the cloud service to do it, and we know that Sony actually uses uh, Microsoft's cloud service. Mm-hmm. So it would be, I don't know, do do. See, the entire thing about Switch is sort of like, well, you can play on your Switch while your friends play, watch TV. You know, that sort of thing. Is that something that is really matters to a PlayStation owner? Or would it be, I have a good Wi-Fi connection here. Uh, let me stream a game that I have on my PS5. And here's the thing. The PlayStation, what was it, Now? Was it Now? In which you just stream the things directly from your PS5? That sucked. Yeah. What, what what Microsoft does is that they stream the, their Xbox games through the cloud, provided you have it on Game Pass, which is a very specific thing. I wonder if you have PS Plus, if it, Sony will do the same thing. You know, you have it on PS Plus, good, you can stream it. Yeah, I uh, I don't think that the that the mobile uh, factor is as valuable to PlayStation players. Like I don't, I don't know. Jordan was a was a real big Vita fanboy and was upset when Sony just dropped support for it. Oh sure, but like there were people that that was people that were on board with like a. I'm gonna go ahead and say arguably niche product that. Yeah, well, the Oculus Quest is a niche product. I'm sorry, the Meta Quest is a niche product too. Yes, it is. I'm still debating whether to get the Meta Quest Three. Yeah. I think uh, I think that one's gonna be. I don't know. It looks like it's packing some good power under there, and it's gonna. Yeah, how often would I use it? I don't use my MetaQuest two that much anymore. Yeah. See, that's the problem. It's it's cool, and then it's like okay. Here's the thing though. You know, I I got the MetaQuest simply to play my VR games that are on Steam. By the way, did you see the uh, non VR version of Half Life Alex? I have not. It is a, there's a mod that actually makes it work. Oh, that's awesome. I'd, I'd, ter- I'd heard that that mod was in development ever since the game first came out, but I didn't know that it actually came out. I believe it is out. That's pretty cool. Like, that's a game that everybody should play because it's awesome. I know. But um, <laughs> as, far as, as far as, like, the PlayStation Slam and the handheld PS5, I don't know. It just kind of feels like a lot of folks are chasing the trend of, like, Packing their their hardware into a mobile form. So I would like to see them just do an old fashioned handheld, you know, like the DS, like the Nintendo DS. You know, it's not it's not it's not trying to be the uh, Nintendo uh, Wii. It's a friggin' DS. Mm-hmm. It's just a two screen. Uh, you know, something that's explicitly made just to play smaller versions of the games, but better than a mobile game, right? Mm-hmm. It's like more than a mobile game, less than a than a full blown console game. Like the old, you know, those uh, handheld God of War games. Yeah, for sure. But these are all speculations for the time being. Yeah, it's not much of a speculation to say there's a PS5 Slim coming because. Oh yeah, that's, that's a given. That was a given. That's a given. Um, <laughs> I hope they find better ventilation because there's been a lot of complaints lately about the PS5 and its ventilation, which anybody could have told you when it was first released, that it was going to be a problem. I mean, Microsoft made the decision, we're just going to blast all the air out one side. Blah! <laughs> you want to put a hot dog on top of it? Go right ahead. It'll cook. PS5 has such weird ventilation. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like, everything behind the PS5 is like 20 degrees hotter <laughs> than the rest of the room. <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. Like I've I've reached behind that thing to uh, move some cables around. I'm like holy shit, it's like really warm back here. Now you know why some people are saying, "Hey, my PS5 is exploding," yeah. <laughs> or essentially exploding. Uh, what a interesting heat design. Yeah. 
By the way, I am still debating whether to get a ultra cheap laptop, you know, or to get a fully rigged desktop. That's my decision right now. Either go really cheap with a laptop or get a really high-end desktop. That's a that's a tough choice. And me like even have using my PC at my desk every single day for work and everything. I I run a laptop because I like being able to pick it up and take it with me wherever I feel like going. See, the thing is that, you know, uh, Starfield is going to have 125 gigabyte hard drive space and you're going to need an SSD and all that stuff. But I also know since I have Game Pass Ultimate, I could just stream it on my uh, I could just stream that on any old any old screens, a browser, so long as it has a so long as I have an Internet connection and a gamepad. So it's like I could play Starfield on the cheapest goddamn uh, laptop, so long as I, you know, it has a high-speed connection, you know, and I'll still be able to, you know, cross-play with my P- my desktop and my, and my, uh, because I'm going to be traveling soon, so it's sort of like I need to be able to record podcasts and play games, you know, but it's just a, it's just a uh, puzzler. Uh, take the next item there, TJ. Hi-Fi Rush update. Oh, wait, actually, it's actually, actually my turn. <laughs> Hi-Fi Rush, up, Hi-Fi Rush update includes a blistering 200 beats per minute challenge. And this comes from PC Gamer. Hi-Fi Rush's latest free update has uh, arrived and brings two new modes. Actually, it's supposed to be your turn. Oh, well. Uh, both of which are unlocked after you've beaten the main story. BPM Rush sees guitar-wielding protagonist Shy facing enemy waves with the beats per minute of the music increasing as you possess, increasing towards the speed of Shy's combos, and the enemy move sets up to what uh, Tango Gameworks calls a blistering 200 beats per second. The second edition is a twist on the existing rhythm tower called Power Up Tower Up. Uh, players start as a depowered Chai, and as they ascend between floors by battering robots, they choose the selection of upgrades. That's what Tango's done with other with upgrades that make this mode, with certain ones having positive bonus and other have negative bugs so that affect the next battle. Johanna said that it's possible that with the right upgrades to overpower Chai past his usual max levels. The update also includes 40 new modes of challenges, including a bonanza of cosmetic accessories and so on and so forth. Uh, Hi-Fi Rush came out of nowhere. <laughs> it did. And also, I, uh, I, I I look forward to seeing somebody who can play bl- uh, 200 BPM mode proficiently, be, because be, I do not believe that. That is insanely fast. I think it would be easier for me to play in a more up-tempo, because, you know, with me, it's like I don't get the timing right because I'm trying to time it, because it's like, okay, now. Nah. So if, if it's really fast, it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about that. Just blah, 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 blah. Just, just pound my, pound the, <laughs> pound the, the buttons. <laughs> but 200 beats per minute is real fast. Really fast. And to be able to do that on time, <clears throat> like be able to actually do it with like excellent <laughs> rating each time, that sounds insanely hard. But somebody will do it, and I can't wait to see it when they bust that out somewhere like Games Done Quick. Yeah, someone played Half Life with a, with a, a Guitar Hero controller. So yeah, you, they, there people have played these games with the weirdest friggin' uh, uh, controllers. So yeah, it, I, I wouldn't be surprised that someone does it. This other stuff sounds really cool too, though. The Rhythm Tower—it's basically a roguelike mode. Yep. It does add a lot of gameplay. It, it does add a lot of uh, replayability. So. Especially in a game where skill was kind of part of it, anyways. Being able to take that in a roguelike mode and add a random element to it, that sounds fun and exciting. Go ahead. Hi-Fi Rush is one of those games I haven't gotten around to yet, but I actually really go out of my way to make time for that one. You haven't played played that? You haven't played Spiritfarer? You haven't played the Middle-Earth games? I did play Spiritfarer. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) I haven't played the Middle-Earth games. uh, Did Did you complete the game? I haven't completed it yet. Oh, I know, but I got started, and I did. It, did it make you cry yet? Yes. <laughs> okay. Good. Which 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 one? <laughs> which one? <laughs> the first time you send someone off. The first time? What's her face? Yeah. I okay. Um, a lot of people. For a lot of people, it's oh, I don't want to give anything away. It's just all so pretty to me, and like the way it happens is like, uh. Um. Have you seen the owl for the second time? It's the middle of the game. No. Okay. That that is a scene that's just gonna. It's not gonna make you cry. It's just gonna make you suck in your breath. 
I can't wait. It's yeah. a, it's the whole vibe of the game is very beautiful. Hey, um, ha- has your frog uncle left yet? Um, the big frog who loves he loves to eat everything. He doesn't. Yeah. He has a favorite food of pork chops, but he well, le- he does he doesn't have any disliked food. I haven't gotten far. Oh, okay. I'm gonna say um, the way he leaves is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah. And it's not the way you think it is. So um, late in the game, I'm not gonna spoil anything, but late in the game, you're gonna meet a uh, what is that? A manticore? It's it's not a real animal. <clears throat> It's not a dragon. It's like a manticore. No, not a manticore. Um, oh, he's a basilisk. I think he's a basilisk. He's a real big AD&D fan. And there you're going to have feelings about that character. <laughs> and also the mushroom boy. Oh, Based God, the mushroom I boy. Of, uh, the game and what I've seen so far, I'm probably going to have feelings about most of it. Mushroom boy is, in hindsight, he'll be the saddest one. Oh, Mushroom boy. I don't want to spoil anything. See, here's the thing. I was I say, can, don't go any further. I want to <laughs> at some point, we're going to have to do a spoiler cast after you finish the game. <laughs> because there is so much to that game. And here's the good thing. You you have to be playing by the Lily... With the, the, it's automatically included. The Lily expansion, who appears very late in the game. And it spells out everything that's going on. It was hinted at in the in the vanilla game. It was hinted at... But the uh, Lily update just says whatever everything that's going on in the game explicitly, mm-hmm. and by that time you appreciate it because you already got a vibe of what's going on, and this time it gives the emotions behind it. So it also tells just who uh, who she is, who Stella is. It's like I said in the base game, you, it sort of communicated to you. You know, you sort of instinctively, oh, okay, I get it. And this, it sort of like makes it concrete and says, this is exactly what's going on. And it confirms all of your thoughts. So, did you play Spiritfarer, uh, Scott? I have not had a chance to play that one yet. Oh, dear God. Another Philistine. (laughs) At least I started. I'll definitely finish that one, too. Yeah, yeah, you you just you just controlling some some mercenaries are going to gun each other down. That too. <laughs> well, guys, I'm I'm playing with Marvel characters, so I'm probably going to start playing a little bit more after I hang up. <laughs> Anyways, um, what? Uh, look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net, along with industry news and our gaming history articles. We enjoy your feedback. Leave us comments on our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, this up at facebook.com slash gaming podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us some iTunes comments. You can find me on Twitter at Jonah Falcon. You can find me at Johnny Chugs. You can find me at Shard Moore. Incidentally, uh, everybody keeps on saying how much worse Twitter is getting, and I really don't explore that much in Twitter. I just post it. Don't bother to read most of it. Is it really getting that bad? Yep, you're better off just leaving as soon as you're done. <laughs> You know, there's some people who say they actually uh, have an account with a different um, Twitter-like thing that they that they're just going to jump to once they they have accounts, but they don't post it yet. They're just going to move if and when Twitter just falls, you know, is closed. It's a three-way hellscape where Elon Musk has Twitter, uh, Mark Zuckerberg with Instagram just launched Threads, which is supposed to be uh, Facebook's Twitter competitor. Right. Although I thought Facebook was supposed to be that. Anyways. And Facebook then, uh, is more of a is more of a blog now. You know? And then Jack Dorsey, dipshit that he was, <laughs> that went on to uh, make Blue Sky, and that's the the other thing Blue that people are looking Sky. at. I I actually think I set up a, an account with Blue Sky. I haven't done anything with it yet. But it is truly a hellscape where we have three crappy choices from three horribly maniacal. Oh, the thing is, that, you know, those three people those three people don't understand. Uh, you know, that you don't give extremist groups a megaphone. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, with that bright, <laughs> cheerful, good, uh, lasting comment, uh, I, we will see you next week. And hopefully we'll have some news about the Microsoft FTC thing by then. Bring back MySpace. That's the one that works. MySpace is still around. 
It just looks like it just looks like Facebook. That's all. It's supposed they're, to be they're like, hanging in. It's time for a MySpace resurgence. Well, MySpace idea. just basically copied <laughs> Facebook. Have you been to MySpace? I saw my MySpace account. And the creator still is one of my friends. <laughs> we, we need to start using it more because it's the only one that isn't uh, owned by an egomaniacal billionaire. Well, he's too poor to be an egomaniacal billionaire. He's just an egomaniacal millionaire. <laughs> we will see you next week. Happy gaming, everyone. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all.